Uh, hello and welcome to another episode of What We're Listening To, a show where we talk about music and challenge each other to hear new things. I am Barry White and with me <laughs> as always today is my good friend Josh, lover of all things walrus short. How are you? I am very pleased to meet you, so Barry, I'm sorry that you're no longer alive for a number of years, but it's good to have you on. <laughs> Just don't make me laugh, please. I'm sorry. <laughs> Seriously, though, listeners, uh, I have an interesting flu at the moment. It is not the the big one, just a plain old vanilla flu. Yeah. And so I have a very low voice. And so I use that as inspiration for my quiz today. Are you ready? Okay. In honour of my voice, which 90s cartoon had a character in it based on Barry White? Oh. Is it A, Angry Beavers, B, are real monsters C Hey Arnold and D or D Cat Dog? I know. I know he had an actual cameo in The Simpsons. That's for sure. In the snake wagon episode. I right. Oh, who's a low voice? Did you watch any of these shows? By the way, a little bit. I feel like it's Hey Arnold. Is that your final answer? Sure. Bum, bum. Sorry, uh, it's not Hey Arnold. I mean, maybe enough. he maybe he was. I don't know. But the one that is definite is in Angry Beavers. It's Angry so Beavers. There's a character named Barry Bear, subtle. Um, Barry is obviously based on the late singer-songwriter Barry White. Um, in it, he does he writes albums and that sort of thing and, okay. and, and does this low cool voice stereotype and uh his doorbell actually in the in the series is the hey from james brown's song i i got you i feel good <laughs> so um it's it, for anyone that's seen like 90s cartoon stuff they really went for the random kind of psychedelic kind of humor um yeah and yeah anyway there you go i must that's, admit uh, having talked to you about your voice before we started recording, I have listened to a couple Barry White songs in the meantime. There's something special about them. I don't know. I was listening to that link you sent me. Yeah, he's great. Didn't? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know a lot about him. Only, you know, just his voice was so kind of smooth and and cool and that sort of thing. It's probably not my genre of music. I don't love that sound so much, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's fun. Oh, um, do you have any follow-up? I mean, not really. It's, it's just like tons of stuff happening, and so I just don't really keep track yeah. of it anymore. <laughs> the The thing that's happened for me is because we release the episode like two weeks before we record now, I haven't listened to the previous playlist so much leading up to the recording, and I should do yeah, that more. Yeah, sure. So if we don't have follow-up, that's fine. I don't have any follow-up. So no, um, I got none either. We could just backload it as always. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we head into reviews? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Um, so uh, I uh, I have been listening to the uh, third album from uh, post-punk Irish poets, The Fontaines DC. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I think it comes... Uh, at like an interesting time so like you know in like a band's life you have like the first record and like the kind of the breakout one and then the second one the sophomore is often like 
will they be able to keep the success rolling? So by the time you get to the third record, you start to have a better picture of what a band wants to do, I feel like. Um, mm. And I think uh, we get a good picture of how the Fontaines like to craft music and what they like to talk about by this point, which is kind of cool. Um, so uh, this is their first number one in the UK since there are no uh, Taylor Swift deluxe CD release shenanigans to be had this time around. And uh, <laughs> that's um, right. They, they beat Taylor Swift in the charts or something. Yes. Yeah, There's a whole to yeah. do. So, yeah. uh, so this record uh, thematically I think is quite interesting because it's mostly about uh, dealing with fame and, kind of that loss of a sense of uh, belonging to a country or being like a single nationalistic person. Uh, maybe it's, maybe nationalistic is too strong, but that kind of that loss of um, who you were before you were semi-famous basically. Um, hmm. And I've noticed that actually it's been a bit of a theme in a lot of the, uh, post-punk revival records that have been coming out in the last year. So that's quite similarly to a lot of the songs on uh, the Black Country New Road record about Isaac struggling with being famous. And um, even the Idols, the last two Idols records are kind of been about that similarly as well. The kind of um, loss of being a band and more of being a, a famous thing. Um, mm. but the Fontaines are the one that's kind of taken in this more Irish national direction of being this kind of like a uh, weird half breed Frankenstein monster. So that's kind of what the, huh, uh, the, yeah, the overall kind of feeling and theme of the album is the, with like the deer imagery and the kind of hodgepodge being Irish, being British being kind of national, international. Um, yeah. Well, it starts with this song I can't pronounce. <laughs> and also, I don't know what Skinty Fear is. Yeah, so Skinty Fear is something, it's one of the one of the band members' grandmothers used to say. Um, oh. It's it's a, what's the word? Um, it's a form of, like, not cussing, um... Not expletive. Oh, my brain's not functioning. Um, Just an exclamation or something? Yeah, it's an exclamation. It's an exasperation. Uh, it, right, it literally yeah. translated, I think it means the damnation of the deer, I think. Uh, oh, interesting. But it's just kind of something that she would say, and it doesn't really mean anything, and it's kind of a, um, a mutation of the Irish language. Um, hmm. Yeah. So you kind of have those notes throughout this record. Uh, yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So I think the thematically it's quite enticing. It, uh, you get the, the emotion of this record very confidently. Like it's angry without being rage filled. It's quite, it's mm. quite dark and brooding. Without it sounds kind of, like that. 
Yeah, but it doesn't like spend so much time making that happen. That's just kind of the way it is, which is I think one of the great things about it. Like these guys very confidently find the sound and stick to it and make it sound good. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a really good sound. And, and you're right. It's not kind of like screaming kind of really intense. It's just it's driving. Um it feels very constant. I really enjoyed listening to it. I particularly mm. love that bass sound that they've got going on. Yeah, so you you have this great kind of breakdown of like the guitars and the vocals kind of building the atmosphere and then everything is really like tied down heavily by the, the bass and the drums going over time, kind of just really moving everything forward. And I think it works really well together. And you have some different compositional elements. Like there are some songs that are kind of like Euro dance inspired or uh, some more traditional post-punk sounds. But there's some kind of other more nouveau kind of um, uh, inspirations. Uh, originally, this record was supposed to be a double album. Uh, I read, which is kind of, uh, I'm a little bit sad that it's not. So they wanted to have like one half of the record be this kind of dark brooding rock record. And the second one to be more, um, like the folk kind of downplay song. What's it called? The, um, uh, the couple across the way. Is that what it's called? Yeah. There's one. That's one. like the accordion kind of driven song. Uh, right. Which I, I think I would have found I would have found really interesting personally to have uh, these kind of Irish rockers take on a completely different sound, which is still in like the the history and the the vibe of who they are as people, which I would have really enjoyed. Do you think that would have made it too long then, or would it would the I mean, kind of central message would have been lost in the length, or probably? Which is probably why I decided not to do it. I still, I still would have enjoyed it. Um, it's a tricky balance, isn't it? Like without having it too short, so you can't tell the story, and too long, so it gets lost. Yeah. So, mm. I yeah I I, I I liked it. Yeah, that was a good album. I don't I've have been, any standouts, but um, I, I really like the vibe across the whole thing. It. I've been slowly but carefully enjoying this a lot. I think during one of the coldest springs in Vancouver record, it's been yeah. quite perfect to kind of match that vibe. Yeah, nice. The artwork is particularly striking. I like the, it just looks like, you know, this blood red sky is kind of leaking through the windows of this house, stairwell in this house and this deer is in the middle. Yeah. And then you've got the vinyl, which has like kind of almost these, 1920s sort of motion animation on the on the disc or something <laughs> yes the it's like a stop motion and the, as the record spins it kind of plays an animation on both sides very interesting yeah it's, it's a very creative thing to do it is a very creative thing to do i it's quite striking especially because you compare it to the last couple of records that they made which are very cool colors like blues and greens and they mm. don't kind of aggressively pop out at you like this one does, but it's like bright yellow, bright red. It's very in your face in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I love the Fontaines and I'm very happy they continue to make very good music. Yeah. I just love the accent as well. I really (laughs) love the kind of, yeah, 
just that it feels very authentic um, to its kind of roots, like you say. Yeah. That's nice. me. Uh, what have you been listening to, sir? Um, something a little bit different in terms of genre. Um, you know, I enjoy kind of experimental, ambient, sort of electro music. And um, a band called Boards of Canada have been on my peripheries for a while. I found one of their CDs one time at a op shop kind of thing, thrift store. Mm. Um, didn't quite get into it. And then I I stumbled upon them again for some reason. You said it also happened to be the 10th anniversary or something of a, one of their albums this this month, yeah, um, which was coincidental. Um, I went with their most popular album called Music Has the Right to Children, which is quite funny but also kind of interesting. <laughs> um, and so Boards of Canada are not from Canada, um, as you might think. They are from Scotland um, and they're a duo, Scottish duo, who have been around since the mid-1990s. This album is from 1998 and it's it's quite interesting because it feels a little dated in its sound but not terribly so. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it still holds up as, you know, very interesting. And I think the thing I like is that um, I really like people using found samples and so they're kind of shtick as they're using um, samples of like spoken word stuff from like the 1970s, specifically like from the film board of Canada kind of thing. Is that That's kind of what I understand. And so there's all these sound bites that have been kind of warped and kind of twisted and mangled in amongst all of this music. Um, it's pretty repetitive. Like it, sometimes it gets a little bit tiring, but I think that's kind of in the truer nature of um, this style of music where it's kind of like a bit hypnotic, kind mm. of goes on and on and on with very small changes with each repetition and, and um, verse or, or B section or something like that. So I found it really good as like work music just in the background Um the first few tracks didn't really grab me until I got to 6010. Um, and then you start hearing these really interesting mangled um, samples. And, and then I was like, okay, I'm really kind of finding this quite interesting. Um, yeah. What did you think as first impressions? <laughs> uh, yes. I've, uh, I've never listened to any boards of Canada either. Um, I found the, mm, the selection of synths to be quite interesting. Uh, yeah. As somebody who is not an aficionado on synth tones, uh, they felt quite old, uh, even for a nineties production. Um, mm. So you get these quite classic synth sounds that give it this very kind of like nostalgia sci-fi feel. Uh, mm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Like I this this album and the kind of the album art, I I could easily picture being as part of a bigger science fiction project, like some kind of I don't know futuristic tales from the loop kind of thing. Um, hmm. Yeah, nice. I think I, I think it really fits with that kind of aesthetic for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think also along with the tones, um, you know, I don't know. E- you never know quite what someone's background is with music composition. Mm. And some of these, their choices of melody and harmony, uh, you know, they could be self-taught. I don't know. Cause they're interesting combos that I wouldn't necessarily think of 
as someone who's had, you know, like harmonic theory drilled into them kind of thing. <laughs> so um, not that they're bad choices. I don't want to gatekeep on that. It's just different. And I like that. I like hearing someone just combine elements that I wouldn't have thought to put together. And I like mm. li- listening to Yeah. Mm. I Yeah, I favoured quite a lot of tracks from this album, but more towards the end. Um, I really liked one very important thought. I liked the use of the bigger sample. Um, and that was, you know, the use of like one very important thought. One day you may be on a, um, like a, a jury, like um, deciding whether a piece of media is offensive and whether it should be censored and know that the, the boards of Canada got censored because of this or blah, blah, blah. And it's, I always find it interesting put taking kind of um, these statements out of context and looking at them in different contexts, similar to what Godspeed you do. So, mm. yeah, mm. I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange, interesting record. I think especially when you kind of compartmentalize what kind of electronic and music is doing at the time as well. Like this is around the release of... <laughs> Uh, Kid A and like some classic Moby albums, which are very, um, it's a good point, like very beat oriented or, um, like computer composition oriented. And these guys are doing a little more ambient, a little more synth. Um, yeah, and so it yeah, quite it's definitely it's, more ambient. It stands on its own, I think, a little bit because of that. It's not following trends, which I think is great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it. That's interesting to kind of compare it to albums around that time. Um, I Yeah, sometimes I get those timelines mixed up in my head, but <laughs> there is, yeah, there is a lot of beat to this album. Um, but like I said, it's kind of like the beat cuts in and out at odd times Yeah, for me at least. It's like it'll just be going or it's like a lo-fi version, so it's like kind of in the background and washy. And then it kind of comes in and it almost contrasts everything which which is happening already with these ambient synth sounds. So, yeah, I, I wonder how much is sampled. You know, is it more than just the voices? Is it like other things too? So, mm. you know, maybe they grabbed, maybe that's why it sounds older. Maybe they grabbed synth sounds from these 1970s productions too. It's cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, I should have dug into it a little bit more compositionally, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a it's a bit of a monolith. So I didn't quite get through all of it. I don't think all the time. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's um, it's a bigish album. Uh, Eighteen tracks, hour and eleven. <laughs> yeah. No, I enjoyed it. I might delve into more of their stuff later on, but yeah, for sure. That is Boards of Canada. All right. Yeah. Homework time? Homework time. So what did, what did you give me, Asher? I've had a case of what Josh calls, I don't know why I gave this homework. <laughs> um, I've been listening to a few podcast uh, interviews with a man named Glenn Galloway, and um, he is a musician who I have reviewed music of before. He has a band called Soul Junk, and he has this kind of manic um yelled kind of detuned guitar style kind of um uh, stegosaurus rock is it sometimes called um uh, i reviewed one of their albums by soul junk 1961 i think um last year 
and I was digging into a bit of his older stuff and stuff that he was a part of and found that he was a part of this band that had semi-popularity in the early 90s called Truman's Water. And I had listened to a little bit and I thought, oh, I've been giving Josh some like soft kind of a bit artsy albums. I'll just give him something really <laughs> hardcore rock, see how he goes with that. Uh, possibly it was a little too hardcore. So um, uh, this is the f- the most popular release by Truman's Water, at least by Spotify standards. Um, what on earth is the name of it? I yeah, I didn't write down the name. <laughs> um, let me just, it's, uh, it's got, it's got an interesting name, uh, to say the least. Spasm Smash XXXOXOX Ox and Ass. So this, yeah, uh, I must confess that listening to this album, I struggled to get through all of it myself. <laughs> so it's a bit hypocritical of me. But I hopefully you did the same and just decided what you felt like listening to. <laughs> I thought it just might be a, a cool little foray into something a little bit more rocky. But um, yes. tell me what you thought of this. Yes, um, uh, this is a, a veritable assault to the audio senses. This album is. Um, I mean, it's nice to go back to a time where people haven't quite figured out how to mix an album properly. Um, I think that's also intentional. Um, it could be, (laughs) but yeah, yeah, I get what you mean, but I think it's also meant to be pretty rough. (laughs) Yeah. So this is from 1993. So this is, this is pretty, uh, early in the kind of nineties alternative phase where, uh, a lot of noise experimentation is happening and a lot of, uh, things from the eighties are being, uh, put behind them. So like sparkly production, uh, echoey drums, all that kind of stuff is being put down. And so instead what you get is this kind of stuff, which is, um, quite tinny high filter, a lot of focus on kind of covering up what the vocals are doing and just pushing noise to the front. Um, (laughs) good description. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of get you get some more stuff all, all around. Like you have, like early Nirvana does kind of this. Early Flaming Lips is a lot of this kind of stuff where it's just you can't really tell what's going on a lot of the time. Uh, it's just noise. Uh, so you have this kind of very particular sound, which is very acceptable in the early '90s. It's kind of hard to listen to now in some parts. It's just really th- thin for me. Uh, I don't know if there is a bass. Like <laughs> listening to this, I'm I'm not sure there is a bass player in this band, but it might be that it's just mixed like that. So who knows? Yeah. E- either way. Um, so you kind of get that, this kind of chaotic uh, play production, sound production uh, on top of what the band is actually doing, uh, which I don't, really have a good description of there's a lot of uh multi-song ideas that kind of carry over between pieces or some Mm. songs that are like eight minutes long uh and you kind of get like pieces of like math punk with like lots of like stops and starts and stops and starts uh or more of the kind of spoken word stuff you're talking about, which he does later in his career. 
Um, mm. I mean, I can see why you would why you would like some of these things because it reminded me in parts of uh, bits of me without you, just without yeah, like kind of yeah. the modern production and songwriting behind it. Um, it's like like lots of like long kind of screamed lyrical content, which I couldn't pick up on because it's so far back in the mix. Yeah. <laughs> Guitars are over top of I it. I know. And, and he, um, for this album, well, for Truman, as opposed to Soul Junk, which he primarily sings like Bible passages, Truman's Water is like stream of consciousness, like abstract stuff. So yeah. even if you could hear it, it would be pretty hard to understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could see why they would have like a, like a quote unquote cult following. Like, there's elements of like the fall or like early pavement here too with like some of the songs. Mm. Uh, but it, I don't know. It's a lot of chaotic mess. And it's also like 22, 20 something tracks long. So it's quite, uh, quite big as well. Um, yeah, it's a double album. Yeah. I don't know. After listening to it once or twice, I don't think I'd call myself a convert to what's happening yeah. here. It's a little too much for me in some parts. Yeah. And I listened to it um, a couple of times too. Um, and I can see elements of things I, I quite like, um, like interesting time signatures and, mm. and, and, um, and just, I do love a bit of dissonance um, every now and then. I like, I like it as an expression, you know, for these rambling lyrics and that sort of thing. It matches really well. But, um, yeah, like you say, it's a bit hard to decipher what's going on. I imagine seeing them live would have been a pretty amazing thing, though. <laughs> um, you know, they and, – and the thing that's really interesting, the reason I thought about giving it to you was that they've been influenced by lots of really interesting artists. He has a huge knowledge of underground music in mm. the early 90s and, and late 90s. And I was listening to um, how he liked this um, album by a guy named Captain Beefheart. <laughs> um, and I think I sent you this this album he did, I think Trout Mask. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I was just digging into like his influences and yeah, you're right. It's kind of like that me without you sort of stream of consciousness, spoken words sort of thing. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. I think I could take this in small amounts. Yeah. Or it, yeah. But two, like, two discs of it is just kind of a little bit too much. Do you know what part of America they're from? Uh, I think it's California. Yeah. Okay, Diego. that's interesting. Because I could see this belonging pretty comfortably in the East Coast hardcore kind of scene of the early '90s, where like. Like like noise and chaos are a lot more found in like the Washington D.C. kind of area of music at that point. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Can, I don't. I don't know. It's interesting. These from California is always kind of he's talked about that, but yeah, still writes this kind of music. <laughs> yeah, because you can kind. Of, yeah, I can kind of see where like this music would evolve from, like the the kind of early '90s kind of punk bass which is fairly simplistic. And then they kind of, you stack more and more things on top of that. And you get to this kind of point. Um, but it's still, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's funny to imagine this on tape as well. Like even 
even oh thinner to, yeah. to some degree. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh man, what can you even tell what's going on? Yeah, like uh, f- the thing. Yeah, so Glenn Galloway talks about how he like once he kind of moved to alternate tunings, like he just never went back, and so <laughs> you can hear like a lot of this. When he has a lot of strings on the guitar that I think are tuned exactly the same. So, you know, if there's a slight discrepancy, you already get dissonance between two notes of the same pitch. Mm. And you can hear kind of this, <laughs> it's crazy, it's just so much dissonance, even with the instrument itself, not only with what they're playing together. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a it's an experience. So um, <laughs> listen, listeners can decide for themselves what they think. It was certainly curious, I'll tell you that. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> Do you um, want to tell um, the listeners what you gave me? Yeah, so uh, I thought it was fitting um, close to the uh, fourth uh, year anniversary of the uh, death of one of my favorite singer-songwriters, uh, Scott Hutchinson uh, of Frightened Rabbit, to give Asher one of my uh, favorite records, uh, ever made, which is uh, Fright Rabbit's second album, uh, Midnight Organ Fight. Um, mm. Yeah, so I, I could talk about this for a very long time, but I was curious to see how Asher would receive this album. So what did you think about it, sir? <laughs> well, you already know how I received this. This <laughs> has made it to my top of 2022 list already. <laughs> Um, so this has basically been the main thing that I've been listening to for the past three weeks. Um, since you gave this to me, it's just kind of been consuming my mind. Like I've been waking up with these songs in my head. Um, yeah, I've been, I I watched most of that little tiny changes documentary Mm. and I've been just thinking about, yeah, about, you know, Scott Hutchinson and this band and how it connects to other bands I like and that sort of thing. I I really like, really like this album, every song. I don't think there's <laughs> uh, a song in this that I don't like. Um, there are songs that I like the mostest out of the songs I already like. <laughs> um, but it is quite an incredible album. Um, who's the dude from Postal Service? Um, oh, uh, ben, ben Gibbard. Yeah, he's talking about it on the documentary and he says like, when you get older, you know, you've heard a lot of music. And so sometimes when stuff comes along, you, it doesn't kind of grab you as much because you've just heard so much stuff. But then some albums come through, come along and they're just, they break through and just grab you. And this album has done that. And it's, it's not new as in genre, new. That's the thing. It's like a combination of all the elements, the songwriting, his voice, the mm. style, all this sort of thing. So Scott, um, what the Midnight Organ Fight is Frightened Rabbits album. They're from Scotland. Um, it's kind of like a, a folk rock album. Um, like, yeah. uh, like it's kind of the pre- predecessor, uh, what's the word? Precursor to like Mumford feel, but less pop, a lot more kind of rock. Yeah. I, ha- I have that in my notes folk. as well. I, I think yeah. like um, folk music in like the mid 2000s was having a bit of a identity crisis where it's split into kind of the Mumford and Sons, um, like heavy nostalgia, positivity yeah. kind of angle. Um, yeah. 
or like the frightened rabbit where you write these like really intense personal storytelling songs, um, which are like exceedingly honest and earnest instead. Yeah. Old, old fashioned probably is a Mumford song um, on this album. It's very much the, like, it's probably the, the happiest of the songs. (laughs) And, um, as you say, this this album is very sad lyrically. Like it's a breakup album, uh, and and also has you know hints of kind of his own depression and mm. and and that sort of thing, like in floating in the fourth. Um, but it but it is yeah, like this constant wrestling with relationships and and all these issues. But like he just, I think on every song there is a hook. It's not a typical like here's the <laughs> like hook. It's like there's something about his voice and the lyric which brings me in in every song. Um, I don't really know which ones to pick as my favourites. Um, sure. I'll just talk about a few that I really like. Sorry, um, I was not, I I was really not like- expecting to hear Aha take on me all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hurdle this week, man. Um, it's on my mind. Uh, good arms versus bad arms is one of the first. It's like such a simple chord progression, but his lyric lilt, the like Scottish half broken voice, mm. um, just the beautiful melody that he creates. I, I really love that song. And the way the drums are kind of awkward with this like snare roll, it's so endearing and so interesting. Like the lyrics aren't instantly identifiable you're not quite sure exactly what he's talking about but you just know that it's very enthralling um and then like songs like um head rolls off which is obviously a big one it's interesting like i don't you know i i don't agree with his conclusions but it's very interesting hearing his thoughts about mortality mm. and all this mm. sort of thing and um it's a sad, you know, kind of sad song, but it's also very interesting. He's brutally honest and I really respect that. I mean, there are so many songs. My Backwards Walk, Keep Yourself Warm, Poke. Like, and every song has something really special in it. Like, even with Poke, um, the the reverby, um, like, ah, ah, part with the acoustic guitar is just gorgeous. Um, yeah. And then the modern leper as well, and I feel better, and all these uh, the twist. It's just kind of like they just killed it with this album. There's just every song is amazing. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So like their first record uh, called The Greys, um, is heard of this uh, exceedingly depressing. It's much. It's more. Uh, it's kind of slower and more sparse. And after like touring that for like a year or two, the band were like fed up. We're like, we don't want to make music anymore. This is so depressing. And then they kind of got together and made this record, which is a little more hopeful in places, um, but still like super uh, intense, I would say. And it's kind of a mark that they've carried a lot the rest of their albums of they don't shy away from being truthful about things or how they feel about things, I think. And that's one of the things that draws people to Scott's writing so much, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, question. Yes. Uh, I'm finding two different versions of Midnight Organ Fight. The one I've been listening to ends with track 14, Who Do You Kill Now? There's three more and another one, Don't Set You Free and so Soon Go. Is that the one you know? Or uh, I know the 14 track listened? one. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, lo- there's lots of EPs and extra stuff that have come out since then. Yeah, as there's well. so much stuff here. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting how this still feels, even though it's sad, it feels a little bit more joyous um, in its sound um, than maybe what you're describing from the Greys. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is, I remember when I was big into Me Without You, a friend of mine said that his favourite band alongside them was Frightened Rabbit. Mm. And I see a little bit of that, but they're very different bands. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, an honesty in both of them, which maybe carries across. Sure. But it's a very different genre. And, um, yeah, I just I love the instrumentation on this too. You know, there's the drums are just kind of like really satisfying. Even on old, old fashioned, which is probably a little bit more poppy, it's just great. The the kick drum is just so good and the really <laughs> I think it's a mandolin or something like that. You know, it's just really satisfying to listen to. So I don't know. I'm just I'll just keep gushing if you let me yeah. go. But um I recommend this album to anyone. Just be warned lyrically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a special record. Um I'm very happy that I got a chance to see them before they stopped making music. Oh, wow. A a long time ago. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It is pretty sobering listening to Floating in the Fourth, though, thinking about, um, you know, the anniversary of his death and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, So I haven't yet listened to the cover album of this one, um, but. Yeah, it looks like there's some interesting um, artists on there. Yeah, that could be that could be catch up for next time. It's uh, some of the songs, mm. some of the versions are good. Some of them are okay. It's yeah. funny that it's such a um, a passion project. For anyone who doesn't know, they uh, the ba- the band was organizing a tenth anniversary version of this record where they got lots of their friends to cover different songs from it. Um, and it came out uh it was finished about the same time as uh as scott decided uh to uh, take his life and so kind of those two projects kind of came together or this project kind of came together at the same time so it's more of a i don't know it's hard to dissect that idea of like memorial from it even though it's not its original purpose but um it's quite an intense listen sometimes for sure yeah, 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 but um, interesting, very interesting. Yeah. I'm, no, I'm well, glad thanks for sharing that with me. <laughs> I'm very glad you enjoyed it. I, I love Fred and Rabbit. They're one of my favorite bands, uh, period, and mm. I'm glad you like this album. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, three of our, out of our four reviews from the north of the UK kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Ireland in the north too? Yeah. No. Two, yeah, to the West, Ireland, and two Scottish bands. So, yeah, <laughs> some great music coming out of the UK. Absolutely, from ages ago and from now. Um. All right. Honorable, Honorable mentions. mentions. Honorable mentions times. Yeah. 
Um, a couple of random things I've been listening to. Um, I I stumbled upon this strange release by an artist called Dungeon Item. <laughs> Probably one of the worst band names I've heard. Um, no, it's not terrible, but it's just <laughs> odd. Um, I follow some people on Bandcamp, like uh, listeners, and every now and then people who buy things, it kind of comes up. And there's this little EP, it's called One Dash One, as in World One, Level One kind of thing uh, for listeners who are not gamers. Um, this, yeah, this little EP, it's like a chip tune album, um, but with pop lyrics on top. Uh. Um, I kind of feel like it's as if Ben Gibbard again um, and Toby Fox teamed up to write an album. Um, but possibly also with the lyrical kind of uh, teenagedom of like bands from the 90s like Blink-182 um, okay. because it's also like a kind of breakup or sad relationship album. So I found myself listening to this again and again. I I think that the vocals would have sounded better um, produced a little bit more, but okay. the kind of low fidelity kind of bit rate has been kind of, they've been crushed a little bit um, and it works really well. So I don't know. I think I've revised my statement and I, I really like it as it is. So I think it's on Spotify um, and I really liked it. Seven songs. And it's kind of, it was like, should I review this? This is great. So check that out. Um, mm. Mm. It's quite, quite good. Yeah. Um, secondly, uh, big news, Half-Handed Cloud has a new album coming out <laughs> in June. My June is turning out to be your April. Mm-hmm. I have so many releases in June, um, but I've worked it out. I've got it in an order, so all good. Um, so Half-Handed Cloud is releasing his seventh LP, um, Flutterama, and has put out a song called Handles, um, and he has used some wacky kind of production things on this, you know, sped up, um, wood blocks and, you know, kind of, <laughs> he, use, he uses a lot of like, rather than using a synth, he'll kind of record things and then, and, and then warp them through tape manipulation so that they kind of sound a bit different rather than just like using a synthesizer. There's a big write up on the Asthmatic Kitty website about this as always. Sure. The way he produces music is just incredible. So, um, I'll put that in the show notes. Do you me asking, when uh, was his last uh, record released? Um, I think it was 2013 or 2014. So it's, it's been a little while. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, he's he's moved around the world a bit since then. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in California and now he is in Finland. Um and he's done a lot of stuff in between those two releases. Like, sure. so even though this is his seventh LP and his sixth one was in, um, uh, oh, hang on. I found his own Bandcamp page, not the Asthmatic Kitty one. So Flying Score of Flight Control, which I gave you as homework one time, yeah. came out in 2014. But he, between those, he released a whole bunch of little EPs um, and then he released um, a compilation of previous EPs called Gathered Out of Thin Air on Double Vinyl, Double Vinyl, 
and now Flutterama okay. is going to be the okay. latest. So I uh, may have ordered just about everything physical that you can get <laughs> for this album. Um, I have the LP, you know, plus the tape, plus the tote bag, plus the balloons, plus the... <laughs> This was my vinyl splurge for the year. So um, I'm very excited about this one. I um, am a big fan, as you know, and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hear um, what this album's like. So, oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. Um, a couple of other quick ones. I got tickets to go and see Bier. Woot. Oh, so jealous. Sorry, man. I'm so, I'm so hey, far away. I, I know. <laughs> Um, he's opening for uh, an artist called Lainey, who I've never heard of. Um, but so I'm just going to go along and hear him open for them. I might stay for the next one or I might be an old person and go home to bed. Who knows? <laughs> um, but I'm really looking forward to hearing him play some of the stuff that we have talked about so much. Um, yeah, he's got a, a four-piece band, he tells me. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing that. Um and yeah, and did you want to talk about Arcade Fire? Uh, we, we could talk about them if you want. I didn't have them down on my mentions, but we could talk about them. I've got it down because there are <laughs> things I did enjoy about this album. We have both been uh, lamenting. Um, did you like that meme I sent you <laughs> of Garth Morangis? Exceedingly I accurate. Writers. I know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards. They're all cowards. So I think I think we've had a bit of an issue with the lyrics on this one, <laughs> but also with the sound. Um, if you're interested in a more in-depth review, check out um, the Needle Drops review of this because it's pretty, it's it's pretty, pretty on point. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, I quite – I liked a couple of tracks on this album. The first – track um and obviously the lightning part one and two are pretty great and i think we all wish that the rest of the album had been a little bit more like that <laughs> is that what you would have thought <laughs> oh man so Ar- arcade fire <laughs> are in an interesting place so I, I like um i've been a bit down on them since reflector came out because i feel like that album i'm not huge into like the dance aspect of it and it's quite yeah. large and all over the place and then they had a weird pop direction with their last record. I should say weird, but wasn't very appealing or very well uh, executed. And I think those problems... It wasn't a good album. It's okay to say that. <laughs> those problems still exist, I think, with this record, where um, they have ideas, but they're not, uh, they're not pulled off well. I would say, uh, e- either musically or lyrically, so, like you have this kind of repeating theme of like some kind of like weird dystopia uh, that this album is a part of, and you know, like you go from uh, like despairing at the end of the American Empire. And then you move kind of towards the end of the record yeah. of finding that like, oh yeah, love holds everything together. Um, but like, it's really hollow and I don't know, 
like semi juvenile in the way that it's written. I really, uh, the lyrics really bugged me on this and it's, that's, that's rare for me that like lyrical content would a stand out first and B would like really annoy me. Um, I think because they've done such a good job with lyrics before. Yes. I was saying to you that the suburbs was very, very cleverly done because there are two readings of it surface level. It's this dystopian future where world war three breaks out in the suburbs. Um, and it's kind of like, it's the story told from people living in this new age, but it's not really about that. It uses those that story to tell other stories. As a, yes. It's a medium. Yes. Whereas this feels like it's just trying to tell the story face value, yeah, it's no just, subtext. It's just surface level. Like the yeah. I unsubscribe, forget season five, I unsubscribe. Like that's like, like what? Oh man, oh, it's gonna get me angry. I yeah. So I don't, I don't think this album knows what it wants to do. Frankly, it's what it has like it has multiple starting points, which is like weird. Yeah, and it has so, like all these inspirations of like early Bowie and like pieces of Queen, but just like the mm. worst versions of those. <laughs> For me, when I listened to the first track, Age of Anxiety, I was like, okay. You know, the there's a bridge part and it starts to build up. And I, I was like, I like this. Brought, brought on the piano, it's like the synth sort of pulse. And it was like it ends on this really strong note. And then Age of Anxiety 2 starts again at the yeah. bottom. Like it, it's like you've gone up and it's like you've done the, the suburbs and you're getting into um, uh, what's the next track? Ready to start, yeah. Yeah, so it's like that leads directly into Age of Anxiety 2 drops again and then builds again yeah. and then prelude drops again and builds again and then end of empire one drops again and then <laughs> so the flow is so like up and down up and down up and down on every track basically and i just felt like we have four different eps here mm. all mashed into one yeah because the yeah. lightning tracks a killer um even the last track, I really like, We. I can yeah. see it's got the least plays, but I think it's quite beautiful. But it just doesn't feel like there's a big picture flow. And it feels like if they really did write two or three albums in lockdown, this is too many ideas from those three albums. Yeah, all it, in it, one thing. it feels unfinished to some degree. Anyway. Yeah, it needs to be longer in my mind. Like <laughs> it didn't kind of see out any of its uh, ideas to their fullest kind of yeah. uh, either longer or just like redone. I don't know. Take it back, put it back in the oven and then change, change things about it. <laughs> what did you say? Um, you saw someone say that it's like they've done their career in reverse. <laughs> that, was, um, that, was, that was a Reddit comment. It was like, if you listen yeah. to the albums in reverse order, it's like fi- listening to a band that's like finding their musical soul over time. Because if, it, yeah, it's like we've got a different band. But you know what? I I still defend Reflector. So I'd say the first four albums are pretty great. And these <laughs> last two have not been fantastic. But that's okay. We can we can fight that out oh, for the man. rest of time. I need to stop going um, to their subreddit because I see people talking that are like, this is the this is the most thematically like 
succinct what? album since Neon Bible. And I'm like, what are you what? smoking to think of? <laughs> no, I would not have come to that conclusion, even if I was being generous. And I am trying to be very generous here. This is supposed to be an honorable mention. Um, look, there were some good tracks in here. I just, I just really wish the rest of the album had kind of had the energy of Lightning 1 and 2. So anyway, nice end of my honourable mentions. <laughs> what did you want to talk about, Josh? Um, okay, I only have a couple. Um, uh, first is a, a single from a, a new band from Bristol, uh, The Lounge Society. Uh, these guys have an album coming out in the summer. And they're kind of, I think they opened for Squid a bunch of times in England. They're kind of one of those contemporaries of this kind of new post-punk movement. Uh, nice. But the difference is these guys, uh, at least the song that I've listened to, uh, like to write a chorus, which is nice for a change. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's some kind of actual m- melody tonality to some of their music, which is kind of enjoyable. Um, mm. So I'm a big fan. And I love the... The second half of the song has this really cool kind of percussion breakdown, which I'm a big fan of. Um, so the Lounge Society. Um, uh, next is a new single and a new record coming out um, from Australian artist Julia Jacqueline. Um, oh, yeah. I've talked to her about her a little bit before. Um, I think she is awesome and has this very... Uh, uh, as this very unique kind of sound she's built for herself in the musical soundscape of um, like lots of strings, uh, lots of kind of roomy guitars, uh, but also her vocal quality is quite uh, unique. And so uh, this upcoming album, I think, is going to be quite interesting because she's gotten more, you know, attention, some more money. So the production really stepped up and she's hired a lot of Canadians to play in the band for her. Uh, <laughs> people like Owen Pallet and um, from like First Aid Kit and stuff like that. These kind of uh, oh, interesting indie bands from around Canada. So it's it could be a uh, a very interesting mix. I'm excited to see where she goes to that. So she's released the first single from that, um, which has been good to listen to. Um, I didn't know that she was an Aussie. That's, and she must be either living overseas or doing, um, doing stuff remotely. That's cool. Yeah. I think she's from WA. No way. That's cool. I am not a hundred percent on that. So I will not, the link. I will okay. not stick to it. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, and then I've been listening to a live album from a band called Dawes, D-A-W-E-S, Dawes. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of that band Dawes, Asher. They're quite American. No. Um, they As in D, yeah, D-A-W, like Digital Audio Workstation? <laughs> <laughs> There's an E after the, the W. Oh, gotcha. Um, Sorry, yeah. I was just looking up Julia Jackson. She's from Sydney. Um, okay. You know, I missed what you said, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So Dawes are doors. kind of, they had this, uh, they've been part of this kind of heartland Americana uh, rock revival, like Springsteen kind of stuff um, mm. that's been kind of slowly building in America for the last little while. And they've managed to work hard and carve a little niche out for themselves. And I appreciate 
a number of their songs. I think their albums are a little too much for me, but every so often I'll check back in and see how they're doing. And they'll have like one or two songs that are very interesting. And so um, they've hmm. recently put on a, a free live show uh, from a building, I think in Los Angeles. Um, and the live album you can also listen to on like Spotify and Bandcamp. And it's really good. They play really well. And I love nice. um, the, the, the singer uh Taylor Goldsmith and the drummer who is his brother uh harmonize really well together and play really well together so I'm, I love hearing them do stuff live um nice and then uh it's... lastly um I've been listening to a album from folk artist Christian Lee Hudson um mm. I talked a little bit about him again bef- uh previously before as well uh he is um a muso out of the states uh and his albums are often produced by uh phoebe bridgers or connor oberst you can kind of uh is mm. part of that circle and you can hear their influence a lot i think a little bit more on this one as well uh there's some songs that are like that sounds like a phoebe bridgers song just with a guy mm. singing it um and so i it's been uh, a very relaxing album to listen to in terms of, you know, you need to put some folk on. It's been great for that. Um, I haven't, nice. I haven't really delved into as, as much as I probably should have, but it's, I'd recommend it if you're looking for a singer songwriter album at the moment, for sure. Christian okay, Lee yeah. I think actually you would enjoy it. Um, all right. That's everything I have. Uh, well, that has been episode 46 of what we're listening to. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, if you feel like it, please check out the show notes on our website. Asher puts a lot of work into them and they have all the links so you can follow along uh, when we're talking about stuff. There's also a link to the uh, episodes playlist where you put all the songs so you can listen to what we're actually talking about, which I think is helpful. Um, otherwise, hit us up on social media. We have you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, give us musical recommendations if you feel like it. We take those under consideration. We often review them when we're given them uh otherwise feel free to leave a comment or or review uh, that helps us uh, appease the almighty algorithm and uh gets our uh lovely voices to more ears which is kind of all we want to do um otherwise thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed the episode and i'll talk to you later see you asher see you man have a good day yeah